This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. If you could travel back in time and change some famous historical event, where would you go and what would you attempt to change? Or even just bear witness to, if not change. I would have changed the 2016 election. Mm. Wow. Okay. It's like, you know. Yeah. It's like that scene in Carrie when they switch the votes <laughs> and, you know, Carrie becomes the prom queen and they pour the blood on her. When you asked that question, I was thinking of that Stephen King book, 11 2263, where the guy goes back in time and tries to change the Kennedy assassination. Interesting. You know, okay. Yeah. And, and also, I would like to go to China three years ago, four years ago, and prevent the, the outbreak 19, you know, thing from escaping. And that would, right. would be a nice thing to change, too. Yeah. Worst case scenario with the worst case scenario president at the time. It was just like, are you kidding me? It was almost like a science fiction movie, yep. but no. not entertaining. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to episode four of season three of the Allison Interviews podcast. I am so excited about today's guest. I was never a like huge over-the-top fan of Sex and the City back in the day when it was the show to watch. I mean, I would catch an episode here and there, but I wasn't like a diehard appointment. Carrie Bradshaw, you know, got to stop my whole world to watch Sex and the City kind of a gal. And it's funny too, because when that show was the thing, I was actually living in Los Angeles. And even though I'm a New Yorker, can't forget that. But yeah, I was living in LA and the vibe was kind of different out there. So it wasn't like that New York City single girl vibe. And I don't know. I mean, I I watched it, I liked it, but it wasn't like my world. You know what I'm saying? But I have to say the new incarnation of the show titled And Just Like That on HBO Max, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the fact that we're watching the characters evolve in this next chapter of their life or that they've had to incorporate all of these new elements to accommodate this new world that we're living in because let's face it, the world is so different than it was in the late 90s and early 2000s when Sex and the City was the popular show. So, and just like that is, is just so deliciously interesting to me because they've diversified the cast and they've diversified the storylines and I just was just so here for it. I binged it and watched all 10 episodes of hopefully what will be the first season of many more because I'm, I don't know, I'm just, I'm so into it. Maybe because I'm 47 and even though these women are in their 50s, I kind of feel like, okay, I want to catch a glimpse of what life is like as you go into that next phase of life. And my son is a preteen, so it's like, okay, what's in store for me here? This is pretty cool. 
Anyway, so as I was watching and just like that and loving it, every time Mario Cantone's character Anthony was in a scene, I was just like, oh my god, I love his character so much. He's so funny. He's so quick-witted. I mean, obviously, you have to take your hats off to the incredible writing and the incredible grasp on human relationships that is portrayed in this show. And I know that it's gotten criticism online. I'm not really sure why, because like I said, I absolutely love it. But Mario's character, Anthony Marantino, is freaking hilarious. And I just fell in love with his character even more so than in the Sex and the City movies and, and all of that. So anyway, I was like, I have to interview Mario Cantone because I'm such a fan now. I mean, I've known about his career for ages and ages, but I'm just like such a super fan now because I just think he adds so much fun uh, <laughs> to this show. And so we sat down for an interview and he really is like a tell it like it is guy. We talked about so many things. We talked about a lot of his time actually spent on The View, funnily enough, and his friendship with Whoopi Goldberg, which I thought was kind of interesting. We talked about him working with Sarah Jessica Parker and the rest of the amazing cast of And Just Like That, his long-term relationship and marriage to his husband, and just how he feels about a myriad of issues. And I just found him to be a straight shooter and a really cool all-around human being. So anyway, uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy this awesome interview with Mario Cantone. Your career has been going on now for what, over 30 years, right? It was stand-up comedy and then television and film. Yeah, I started doing stand-up professionally when I was 19. And I, but really in New York when I was 23. As somebody in the LGBTQ plus community, what has the journey been like for you when you started out? I'm guessing, what was it like the early 90s, late 80s when you started? Yep. Mid, mid like, to late eighties. Yeah. To now, like, was it something that you had anxiety about way back oh, then? My first time doing stand-up, you know, I passed at the improv, which was the big club. It's in LA, but there was yeah. the original one was in New York on 44th and 9th and Silver Friedman and Bud Friedman were married. They got a divorce. Silver got the New York club and Bud got the LA club. So I passed at the improv. I got back from, I was in LA for nine months. I auditioned at the comedy store. I didn't, I didn't pass. And probably because of the gayness of it all, because L.A. was just I remember being told, don't tell anybody you're gay. And mm-hmm. I was just like, what? Then you then as I went along. But Silver passed me right away at the improv. And I passed at another club called Upstairs at Green Street, which was actually a music room. It was like every Saturday night. It was a singer. Jennifer Lewis used to sing there and David Peaston and Lita Galloway and, and um, like all of R&B and jazz singers. And it was like enjoy Behar played there and me and Ray Romano and all the oh, comedians. Nice. That came up with. So it was like singer, comedian, singer, comedian. And, and for me, that was when I was at my most comfortable. I love following a singer because okay. I'm a singer and I love music. And at the improv, you followed comedian after comedian after comedian or a catch a rising star, or this comedy seller where I played there too. My first year and a half, I was like killing. And then all of a sudden this anxiety set in and I was just terrified all the time. And it was just scary. And I was doing mainstream comedy rooms. Once in a while, I did the duplex of Don't Tell Mama, which were mixed kind of gay cabaret rooms. But my main stuff was at the cellar, the improv. And at the beginning, I certainly didn't say I was gay on stage, but I didn't lie. And I was doing impressions of women. So if you didn't know, you were an idiot. So the fear (laughs) was being called 
you know, the fear of it was at one in the morning being on stage and someone calling you a faggot from the back of the room, which did happen once in a while. Happened in Princeton one time. I'll never forget that. And the Hyatt Regency, and they did nothing about it. The Hyatt. In wow. fact, they punished me. Yeah. So don't stay at a Hyatt. Anyway, um, <laughs> and, you know, I was booked on Johnny Carson in October of 86 by uh, Jim McCauley. I think it's Jim McCauley or was it Peter McCauley? I forget, but he was the talent coordinator. And his gut was like, oh, my God. When he saw me, he was just like, oh, my God, you're amazing. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to shape six minutes. and You're going to do this and you're going to be amazing. And then he looked at the video again because he he filmed it that night. And he just said, you know what? Your comedy has a gay edge to it, and I think it's going to make Johnny nervous, so I'm going to cancel you. And that's just one. That happened a lot. That was, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get a lot. You know, I didn't get the development deals until much later that everyone did. So did you feel like you had to almost, like, do an impression of a straight man, like a heterosexual man? Or you just like, I'm just going to be me? I was me. I did a straight character in my stand-up called Angelo, but I, no, I was me. I was doing Betty Davis and, you know, Joan Crawford and Judy Garland. And so, you know, I, I didn't care. I was doing Catherine Hepburn. Okay. I just kept doing what I did. But I, I had a lot of fear. I still have a lot of fear. You know, Really? Even now? God, yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I've got to do the Carlisle April 16th through the 20th or the 21st. And yeah, I haven't done it in two years. I'm petrified. I don't have new material. So if you've seen it, don't come. But there's only 80 <laughs> people at a time that fit in that room. I, I did it. Twice, and I love that little room. It's beautiful, and it's very chic. It's very expensive. I'm such a little elitist homosexual, but yeah. And then I was supposed to do it in April of 20, but it got canceled because of COVID. The business was not good, and it's still not great. You know, it's just. But not. you don't feel like it's, it's just such a shame. relief now to be able to play, like even with Sex in the City and with and just like that, you're playing a gay man who's in relationship you're able to just kind of represent something that wasn't really represented on TV and film, no. even just like what, 20 years ago? No, it wasn't. Like- it was, it's gay history on TV. Yeah. In the making. Willie, Willie, right? Willie Garson and I are gay history on TV. I'm gay in real life. So it's really gay history on TV. Cause I'm not gay. Willie Garson. No, no. Gay, Billy was straight and he has an adopted son named Nathan, you know, who he just loved. He was the greatest father. He loved him so much. Yeah. So, but you know what? You know, it's like Jesse, Tyler, Ferguson, and Eric. Eric Strait and Will in right. Jesse's case. So that's okay. You know, interesting. It, it, I'd like to see more. Of course, I if I had the choice, I'd be like, I'd like a gay man to play a gay man, you know. Right. Go shut the movie down if they don't. But, you know. It's interesting that you say that because you hear about other communities getting kind of up in arms. Like, for example when Jennifer Lopez played a Mexican Tejano singer and they said, well, why couldn't you find a Mexican actress? And Jimmy Kahn played, you know, Sonny Corleone and he's Jewish and Jews play Italians and Italian play. I'm Jewish. You're Italian. We're kind of interchangeable. It's very (laughs) interchangeable. You know, I can't play a Puerto Rican, but I certainly look it. I mean, well, Miranda could be my brother. I mean, unfortunately, you know, people come after you now and and look, this is the thing. If it's an independent film or a television show or a low budget film, yes, I think a gay person should play a gay person. I think a trans person should play a trans person. I think all of that. But if it's a major motion picture from Warner Brothers or 20th Century Fox or 
you're not going to get that movie done unless you have a movie star. It's right. just the way it is. It has always been that way. And that makes sense. Because sometimes you have to give something to get something. You, It's Hollywood. They're not going to yeah. do it any other way. Because where's the openly gay movie star, actor, leading man? Where is he? Oh, yeah, no. Not Where is she? Yeah. Where is the trans movie star? Right. That will put people in seats that the studio heads think will put people. That's Where are they? There's question. none of them. When Scarlett Johansson was going to do that, I don't know if that was a major motion picture, but if it was okay. a major motion picture, it was shut down and now that story will never get told. And and I know she's not trans, but it's not going to happen now. And that's right. just the way it is in Hollywood. And I don't think no matter what, that's ever going to change. Not in my lifetime. Right. They don't care what you are. They want a movie star that's going to put right. people in seats that whose name can go above the title. And there are no openly gay LGBTQ plus movie stars, leading men, leading ladies. Good, good, good point. Good point that I never thought of. No, it's true. But yes, if it's an independent or a television show. Yeah. Yeah. I think a gay person should be playing a gay person for the most part. People also say to me. The gay people shouldn't be able to play straight people. And that's a bunch of bullshit because until there's a balance of roles. Well, they did for decades without people knowing it. They certainly <laughs> did. Gay people play straight people all the time. Right. right? Many open the gay actors do, and I think it's great. But there's maybe one gay role per, you know, every five to 10 TV shows or movies yeah. or whatever. So until the balance is at least close, that rule is null and void. Yeah. I want to back up to Willie Garson. Yeah. Because I just finished watching the whole season of the show. Did you guys know, did the cast and crew know that he was battling cancer? Did you know he was sick? I didn't know till a month in when he told me and told everybody. Sarah, you know, said that she knew and she kept it kind of under wraps. But he told me like a month in. Yeah. So did he struggle to get through the workday or was he no, good he to was go great until he just wasn't there anymore until he just couldn't come in? You would have never known it. the energy his stories. He's a raconteur, you know, he's hilarious and he's yeah. brilliant. And you unfortunately never got to see what our marriage was going to be, which was going to be a very right. interesting, fun, funny, crazy thing. You know, it was basically two people that argue and fight and have a very turbulent relationship, yet they can't live without each other. Right. And you got to see a little bit of that, which was nice. Yeah. But is that is that what happened with the plot line? It was like he just started calling in and, and saying, I'm sorry, I, I'm too well, sick. He told them that, you know, at one point he just couldn't come back. Wow. And so I guess they had to rewrite. Oh, God. Yeah. There was, they, yeah. There was one thing that was rewritten like that morning. Wow. They didn't know the first time. And then it was, then they just rewrote. And that's, they had no choice. Yeah. What I found kind of interesting is, and I don't want to get anybody's name wrong, so I'm, I'm just going to make sure. When I first started watching the show, I didn't know what was going to happen in the absence of the Samantha character. Yeah. But what I think is so cool is that they didn't try to like plug in another Samantha S no. character. They brought in all of these really amazing women that brought such different points of view and stories into the show. Yeah. So it wasn't like replacing somebody. You were yeah. adding all this color into I the think, show. Yes. I think that was really smart. And yeah. I felt like one of them, you know, I got to sit down with them at a table twice and I got to be that voice too. So mm -hmm. that was nice. And 
now, you know, I've been put into Carrie's life as her friend. Right. So I said, I married him 11 years ago in the movie. So we've been friends for 11 years. I yeah. know he was her best friend. Stanford was her best friend. But if, I, we walked into the funeral together with her. It's not a big leap that I'm in her life now more and more. And we're both grieving in the show. He left me. She's he bigs passed away. So, you know, it's so now I'm in her life. Yeah. Heavily. And I'm still in Charlotte's life heavily. So I'm I feel so happy that I'm I love working with Sarah a lot more this year. She seems like she just is like all heart. Like she's got this huge, warm heart. Is that what she's like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a mom. She takes care of you. Yeah. And she even said, I remember one of our first scenes. She said, Michael Patrick King told me that she said, you know, that scene with me and Mario. She went, I like that. So I got her blessing. And Michael, I think, was thinking that, too. So it just kind of. I love working with her. I think she's, and I, I remember turning to her, the scene that I had to tell her that Stanford was divorcing me. And I, and I remember sitting there and I just looked at her and I went, you do this with such ease. First of all, I think she's better than ever. She's always been great. She is at the top of her game. It is magnificent what she's doing in this. I agree. I just said you, oh, please. I agree. Ridiculous. I actually like this. I don't know if this is a popular opinion. I like this incarnation even better than sex in the city for some reason. I don't know why. Everyone has their different opinion. Everyone's married to this thing, marriage, the original one. You know, and I always go, you come and write it better. You fix it. I think the writing is brilliant. I think so too. I think so too. And I just said to her, you do this with such ease. And she looked at me like I was crazy. She was like, oh God, I feel so uncomfortable. And I don't, and every actor feels that they're not doing it. People think I'm the most confident, but I can just be so funny and, quip off this line you know it's turmoil inside pain insecurity and did i do that i'm always with michael did i get that you know i would always leave that set especially during sex in the city those four seasons i did and and the two movies i left every time i left the set i didn't think that they got it or i got it really i I would have to call him he's like do you think i would let you go leave the set if i didn't get it (laughs) i just and then i would watch it and be like oh he did get it i did it all right so and as far as just selfishly, the way he writes for me, Michael mm-hmm. Patrick King, it's gold. Even if it's this 30 seconds, yeah. boom. And he knows me. I've known him since 1984 when I passed at the improv. He was doing stand up there. So I've known him for years. He knows my voice. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Firstly, I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this podcast. Athletic Greens has a product called AG1 that I have been using literally every morning. When I start my morning with AG1 drink first thing before my coffee or my morning smoothie, it's a whole different ballgame. So I wake up in the morning. As soon as I get down to the kitchen, I put in a scoop of AG1 into my water. I stir it up. I drink it down. It's a few seconds out of my morning and I just feel so much more energetic than I did before. I get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food 
food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens all in one drink. I feel like I'm starting my day on the right foot. And it's a good feeling to know that you're starting your day by being kind to yourself. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, and I respect their company values. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. They also stay on the cutting edge of nutritional research, which is super important to me. AG1 is the single greatest thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews. Again, it's athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Firstly, I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this podcast. Athletic Greens has a product called AG1 that I have been using literally every morning. When I start my morning with AG1 drink first thing before my coffee or my morning smoothie, it's a whole different ballgame. So I wake up in the morning. As soon as I get down to the kitchen, I put in a scoop of AG1 into my water. I stir it up. I drink it down. It's a few seconds out of my morning, and I just feel so much more energetic than I did before. I get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens all in one drink. I feel like I'm starting my day on the right foot, and it's a good feeling to know that you're starting your day by being kind to yourself. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, and I respect their company values. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. They also stay on the cutting edge of nutritional research, which is super important to me. AG1 is the single greatest thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews. Again, it's athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What do you think Michael Patrick King understands about human relationships that makes the writing on this series so amazing? He's a, I don't, He's always been that way. He's just very observant and he knows people. His instincts are sharp. Like myself, he's incredibly judgmental <laughs> about people and things. <laughs> I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just like, I'll, I'll say not judgmental, but really insightful with judgment. Right, right, right. No, I get it. Know, observe I get it. it all, you know? Yeah. I get it. You've been okay. on The View a lot over the years. I actually just had Debbie Matinopoulos. I just interviewed her the other day. Yeah. And she was like, oh my God, he was like a regular co-host. He was there all the time. And yeah. for people who don't know, because so many people over the years from Rosie O'Donnell to Elizabeth Hasselbeck to now Whoopi Goldberg, I don't want to oversimplify it by saying stuck their foot in their mouth, but said things that then maybe they came to regret later. But what does it feel like being a panelist, being a co-host on The View and feeling like you have to bring some kind of 
strong or subversive or outrageous opinion to kind of create those like water cooler moments. Yeah, well, that's why when I was doing it, I mean, I co-hosted a lot, but originally I did Joy Behar's Comedy Corner and, you Mm -hmm. know, she just would kind of feed you, set your jokes up. And then I think one day I did it after the Golden Globes, just coincidentally, and I just went off about the awards. And Bill Getty, who was one of my biggest champions, was like, let's do segments about awards. Let's do after the day after awards segments. We did one yeah. one night. They did an Oscar special, and I had to watch the Oscars that night, and then we did it that night. So that was really fun. You really can't do that anymore. You can't say shit anymore. Right. Do anything. They come after I wouldn't want that job. I would never do it. Right. They, you know, Joy has stuck her foot in her mouth. Whoopi is one of my closest friends. I adore her and Joy is. Mm-hmm. And we're comedians. And I didn't see the thing with, with what we said, but I know she's not an anti-Semite. Right. Period. Yeah. She's got a heart of gold. She's She stands up for everything, you know? I don't understand this world anymore. And that's why I don't really want to do stand-up that much anymore because you can't. I was never a political comedian anyway. You certainly know right. And politically, but you know, I never, you know, I wouldn't want that job. And at the time, you know, people asked me, were you really being considered? No, it was great press for me. I ran with it, but yeah, it's a woman's show. It's all women. And that's the way it, Barbara that, wanted it. And that's the way Whoopi wanted it. But if you're going to have a forum like that, I think that it should be constructed in such a way where if somebody says something that doesn't take certain historical context into consideration, that's where somebody else should say, Hey, you know what? Let me explain this to you. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Right. And I think that that's where we're missing something, where if somebody says something and it's like, well, wait a second, she's not taking something into consideration, or maybe she doesn't know about X, Y, and Z. Let's have a conversation. Let's explain it. And let's use it as a teachable moment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Look, you know, this, this cancel culture has ruined entertainment and the world and comedy it's ruined comedy that's for sure yeah i'm glad i did it in the 80s and 90s and 2000s have fun i'm 62 years old i'm done i'll just write for me and i'll you know i think that there's something to be said for everybody knowing how to laugh at themselves you know laugh at yourself laugh at your neighbor laugh about the fact that these things are how do i put this it's like Laughter takes away its power, right? Something that's painful or harmful. And that's what comedy was about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not It's not as fun anymore. It really isn't. You Do know. comedians talk about that? Oh, yeah. Judy Gold talks about it all the time. She wrote a book about it. I think it was called Yes, I Can Say That. You know, I just saw her do a little bit. It was so true. She was like, I'm up here doing comedy. I don't know about your childhood trauma. So if I... <laughs> trigger you with something. Sorry, I'm not psychic, you know, and it's so true. You know, the word trigger and yes, trigger alert. People like, say that up. trigger alert. Not up with your trigger. <laughs> you know what I want to say to these kids? Toughen the fuck up. Toughen up. The world is not easy. I and know. I sound Republican, but snowflakes, exactly. And I'm not a Republican, but you know, it's the cause and effect. It's having Trump in office and the piggish things that he would just say yeah. has caused the opposite effect right. in the extreme liberal world where they shut it down any little thing somebody says. And they they don't allow the teachable moment, like you said. 
We have like overcorrection after overcorrection after overcorrection. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. It's a horrible time. Well, hopefully we'll find a balance yeah. at some point. I hope so. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be in my lifetime. That's what, what makes me very sad. I'm yeah. not going to see that ship turn. What do you think of a person versus their art? So, for example, one of my favorite songs used to be that R. Kelly song, like, I believe I can smash, right? So I still have it on my phone. And when I shuffle my songs in my car, sometimes it comes on and I will start singing it like without even thinking. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I I turn it off. Yeah, it's that's a tough question. And I kind of don't want to go near it. I had two R. Kelly, but, you know, CDs on my Love Letters and Write Me Back. They're two great R&B albums. Yeah. He's a horrible human being. Horrible human being. Horrible. And did you ever see him interviewed? He's like. Yes. Like, it's like he's an idiot savant. He's a disturbed person. He's got, there's mental health issues. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But then, then he's can write that and sing that. It's yes. Just, yeah, but I don't listen to him anymore. I can't, I'm done. But I mean, like, just in general, do you still like even, okay, with Chris Noth from the show? Yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like, okay, they made the right choice by cutting him out of the final episode? Or do you think they should have serviced the character by keeping it in the final episode? What do you think about that? You know, I don't know enough about any of it mm-hmm. to comment on it. I don't know. I wasn't in that world. I wasn't, I'm not a woman. I don't know. So I don't say anything about it. Okay. How long have you been married now? You've been married for a while. Legally, I've been married for 11 years. Oh, it'll be, yeah. Well, no, wait. Yeah. 10 and a half years. Is it, is it 2022 yet? Yes, Um, it is. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) I've been married for, we legally got married in October 5th, 2011, when it became legal in New York. But we've been together for 30 years. And we were married by Jay Baker, Tammy Faye Baker's son. No way. Jay, I love Jay. Yeah, I've always loved him. Yeah, I saw him do a, Sundance did a documentary series on him called One Punk Under God. And he had like a revolution church he has, which is, he moved around so much. He was in New York. He was in Minneapolis. I think he's in Seattle now. How did you know him? How did did I just called him and said, I saw your documentary and I, and I knew he welcomed gay people into his church. And I said, do you marry gay men? He said, yes. And I went, wow. Well, let's, um, I would like you to do this. And he goes, I was just saw you. I just saw you on the view saying you were getting married. How did you know that Jerry was the one, first of all? I knew the night I met him. Shut up. Yeah, How? I, met him. I met him June 20th, 1990, but we were just friends for like a year and a half. Okay. We we're not serious. And then I went to LA in like July of like 91. And then when I came back in October, he started coming around again. And then we spent some time together and then we moved in together March 1st, 1992. I knew right away. I could just tell by talking to him. This guy's so handsome, but he was so smart. And he's a stubborn son of a bitch sometimes, but he's very fair. And he Mm -hmm. pulls no punches. He'll tell you. If he doesn't like you, you'll know it. That's where he's like my father. (laughs) Because when my father didn't like somebody, he was like, (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm kind of like that too, though. But I mean, like know, that too. Jerry meets someone the first time, he's pulled back. You have to kind of go to him. And then you see the difference once he gets to know you and really likes you. But yeah, he's just a good guy. He's got my back. And what did marriage do for you as a couple that being a couple didn't? It felt different. It felt it was like, okay, this is legal now and this is it. I'll tell you, when I was younger, like 10 years in, even, I wouldn't have married him. Not because I didn't love him, but because we're not having kids. What's the, why, why are we getting married? But then you get older together and you're like, legally, this needs to be done. We need the benefit, yeah. the, the yeah. whole thing, being sick, being able to be with each other. Right. Uh, all of that, taxes, everything. You, you know, it's, I'm not going anywhere. Let's do this. So when, right. as soon as it became legal, I was like, okay, let's do this. And we do. Makes sense. Yeah. But, but I, these kids that get married after six months to a year, they're crazy. It's going to be all the same shit that straight people went through, which is disappointing because right. I loved being gay and unique and strange and odd and different. It was a different thing. It wasn't the same. It's nice when it was different. Now it's the same. You know, I always say, oh, like getting married and getting divorced, getting married, getting divorced, fighting over the kids, kids. <laughs> I don't want kids. Gay people that have kids. I'm like, take the pass. Are you crazy? <laughs> Run. What is wrong with you? But, you know, I, I like kids. I just don't I just don't want them. And we okay. both agreed on that. We both did not want children. Like from day one. Yeah, we knew that. OK, yeah. I don't even have a plant. And no pets. I'm, I'm no. <laughs> and I love dogs. Yeah. Love dogs. But there's that station investigation discovery, which we call murder porn. And, you know, you, you watch those shows. Those yep. And I always say, you know, now that gay marriage is legal and everything's kind of the same, there's mm-hmm. going to be a gay investigation discovery station. We're all the same shit that that happened. You know, most of that is right. Great stories. It happened in the Pacific Northwest. 90% of them are in the Pacific Northwest. You know that, right? What do you mean on the on the ID Discovery Channel? No, they're Most in of Florida. those stories are all in the Pacific Northwest. No, they're not. They're in oh, Florida, yeah. dude. That's, that's, all the weirdos that's, come here to Florida. Yeah. No, the Pacific Northwest, like, you know, Washington, Oregon. Oh, yeah. Okay. All, okay. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with but that. Florida, okay. too. Yeah. Yeah. Florida, too. But not in like the Jewish southeast part of Florida where I am. No. It's like no. North Florida. You're talking <laughs> like, you know, in the Everglades. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Do you pray? And if so, who or what do you pray to? I pray when I'm on a plane riddled with turbulence. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I do. I pray. I believe in God. I pray for health and peace and to straighten out a plane when it's bumping up and down on the clouds. <laughs> yeah. Those are the things I pray for. I do. And I pray for my husband and I don't pray for everybody, but I do. Right. Pray. If someone's ill, I pray for them. And if you could travel back in time and change some famous historical event, where would you go and what would you attempt to change? Or even just bear witness to, if not changed. I would have changed the 2016 election. Mm. Wow. Okay. It's like, you know. Yeah. It's like that scene in Carrie when they switch the <laughs> votes and, you know, Carrie becomes the prom queen and they pour the blood on her. 
when you asked that question, I was thinking that Stephen King book, 112263, where the guy goes back in time and tries to change the Kennedy assassination. Interesting. You know, okay. Yeah. And, and also, I would like to go to China three years ago, four years ago, and prevent the, the outbreak 19, you know, thing from escaping. And that would, right. would be a nice thing to change, too. Yeah. Worst case scenario with the worst case scenario president at the time. It was just like, are you kidding me? It was almost like a science fiction movie, but not entertaining. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Is there anything, though, that you got out of it in terms of like some type of personal evolution in any way? Well, I'm a recluse anyway, so I'm home a lot. And my husband and I are home together a lot. But he was actually artistic directing a theater in Seattle. Right. It was not a good time. Anyway, he packed his shit up on March 13th, 2020, and he came home. He was home a lot too, though. He's a Tony voter, so he was home a lot. Okay. I did see him a couple times a month, and I went there sometimes. When he came home, we were home, we were together for 385 days. I cooked every night. Oh. And I enjoyed it. But you see what I'm saying? Yes. You kind of say, hey, you know what? This is kind of nice. Maybe maybe I needed to slow down for a bit. Yeah. What do you think of people on social media saying that and just like that was trying too hard to be woke with a lot of the characters, the storylines and all of that? Well, I think they had to diversify it. They absolutely mm-hmm. had to do that. And whether you think they went overboard with it or not, you know, you got to figure it out the first year. And then you see what, hopefully, if there's a second season, what you're going to do. I was really happy with all of it. I love I love the new women. I was thrilled with it. And I do like this iteration just as much as the mm-hmm. old. And I like the maturity of it. And just selfishly, I love the maturity of Anthony. I love that he's kind of, you know, he's still caustic and abrupt and, abrupt and honest, but he's evolved. Yeah. So the fact that he's yeah. not messing around with this hot fellas at work. My favorite, by the way, my favorite thing of all time was the they mitzvah. Yeah. And the party at the end. That's great. It's, it's <laughs> very I, funny. I love that. I really did. I mean, I love the little the little rainbow yarmulkes. The rainbow. Fantastic. <laughs> I kept mine. I loved it. Yeah. What do you think you came into this life as Mario Cantone to learn? And what do you think you came here to teach? I feel like I came here to just entertain. I really do. I, I'm not a teacher. Who, mm-hmm. who the fuck am I to teach anybody anything? And at this point in life, it's hard to teach anybody anything because people are very stuck in their ways. And it's all a very knee-jerk reaction to canceling and Mm-hmm. It's all that stuff. So how do you how do you unteach that? How do you teach people to, like you said, have that moment where it's a teachable moment? People resist teachable moments. But I came into this world to entertain and hopefully make people forget about that stuff sometimes. That's what I feel I like. like. I, I don't feel like a prophet or a mm-hmm. philosopher. I'm, you know, I'm filled with rage and I'm filled with joy. It's pretty ex- okay. Interesting. You made a comment before about a second season. Do you know if there's going to be a second season or you don't know yet? As my mother would say, I'm always the last to know. Um, (laughs) Okay. I don't know, but I certainly hope so because it deserves it. 
Yeah, me too. I think Michael Patrick King did a magnificent job. I think everybody in it is phenomenal. I think the writing's gorgeous. And I think we made a big splash. There's love, there's hate, there's beauty, there's ugliness. There's so much surrounding it. And I read everything. I read it all. Really? Like, come on. Oh, yeah. Bring it. (laughs) I'm also lucky that 90% of the stuff that I read about Mm -hmm. me is good. So that that makes it easy on me. Thank God. But I'm also not, you know. You're not really like a lightning rod for controversy or anything like that. I don't think. I'm not kidding. I like my place in the show. I love what I have. I love the way I'm written. It's a big responsibility. Mm -hmm. Those ladies carrying the show and the stuff they have to deal with. And they're brilliant. And they're amazing to work with all, all three of them. And the new ladies, you know, I just had dinner with uh, Sarita the other night, Sarita Chowdhury, who I just, mm-hmm. I kind of have a crush on her. She's beautiful. Oh. Beautiful woman. And we agree on a lot of things. We are very, this like, she came over and she brought me a, a cloudy, unfiltered orange wine. I was like, how do you know that that's what I drink? Wow. And she's like, unbelievable. Uh, Nicole over here one night. She's gorgeous. And gorgeous. And gorgeous. And, yeah. yeah. And the good Karen and, and Leroy and Sada. I mean, they're just good people. It's a great group. It was a great Are you group. um are you friends with Sarah Ramirez? I know. Oh yeah, I know her from the Broadway world. Oh, cool. Okay. So, uh, years ago, Sada and I, when 9-11 happened, there was a, a, a little theater downtown, and it was this headed by this woman named, I think her name is Carol Feynman. We did like like a stage door canteen, like in World War II when the soldiers used to go and watch performers. Mm-hmm. We performed there. It was Colin Quinn, me, Sada, a bunch of singers and comedians would perform in this little theater. And these workers that were cleaning up the World Trade Center would come in their dusty boots and their dusty work clothes and sit and watch a show. Oh, wow. And we did that like every night. That's when I met her. Interesting. She sings her ass off. She's got a glow. Wow. Yeah. So which you saw her sing this week, which was, uh-huh. yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's, so that's how I've known her. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, so that's. I want to thank you for your time. And yeah, I love you on You're the show. You're a little too comfortable to talk to. Which is dangerous because I got everybody says that. Yeah, you're very comfortable. It's a good thing though, as a reporter. Oh, you know. thank you. Thank you. I think it's because I'm like super airy fairy spiritual. Maybe yeah, people but like I that. like the spirituality. I think that's really nice. Oh, thank you so much. And when you thank leave you. Florida, it will come back to you twofold. Your spirituality. <laughs> when you leave the state of the devil. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing how you edit this mess. <laughs> <laughs> no. Write it all out. You'll be happy. All right, good. I can't wait. All right, else. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. It was nice to meet you. Okay. Nice to meet you too. Bye-bye. Bye. So as I always ask, what did you guys think? <laughs> because you know what? I love to 
share these interviews with everybody, but then I also really want to know what you think. Like, I want you to be vocal. I want you to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Let me know what you think of this episode. Let me know what you think of my interview style, you know? Like, let me know if you like it or if it sucks. I don't care. I love hearing people's opinions because I feel like this is just one big share of information and exchange of energy. But what did you think of the interview with Mario Cantone? I mean, I found him to be a straight shooter, funny, irreverent, and definitely not afraid to share an opinion or two on a lot of different things. And I find that refreshing. So anyway, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe, please like, please comment. If you're on Apple, please leave a review because I really genuinely want to know what you think. Follow me on Instagram at the Allison Kugel. I don't know why I put the in front of my name. Actually, I do know why I did that. I didn't do it because I think I'm like just too cool for school. I put the in front of my name because there's actually another Allison Kugel. She lives in Las Vegas and we've actually connected a few times back in the MySpace days because I don't know how we found each other, but we were like, oh, our last name is really not that common and you have the same exact name as me. But anyway, she beat me to the punch and she got on Instagram first because I was kind of late to the party. So, you know, she got like the main name and I just had to put a a T-H-E in front of mine. So (laughs) anyway, follow me on Instagram at the Allison Kugel. I love to connect with you guys and I will catch you on the next go around. Alrighty. Peace. 